He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire uh, in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled them there to shore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew, they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do, do, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you, carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. It's great to be here, to be standing here this morning. So what comes to mind when I say to you, crossroads decisions oh goodness me which is the route I'm supposed to take the road I'm supposed to take or I'm just lost where am I doubts you know I'm just so fearful of taking that wrong choice that wrong road disagreements you mean you can't read the map north is always at the top of the page it's not my fault that Satnav has taken us down this country lane it must be here, tempers rising, and then a little plaintive cry from the rear of the car, are we here? Disbelief. This is the third time that we've been at these crossroads. It's not marked on the map. Don't care. It exists because we're at these crossroads. And then diversions. Don't even go anywhere near the diversions. But then, of course, there's doubts. Do I go back? Well, I've done that two times already. Or do I go to the left or the right or what? 
These crossroads are, are metaphors of life. The decisions that we, that we have to make, the doubts that arise from the fear of making the wrong choice, the wrong decision. The disagreements that we have with those closest to us as we try and seek out what is the right thing forward. The disbelief that we're actually even in this position. Perhaps the best thing is, let me go back to where I knew, where I was safe, where I was secure. Or perhaps I will step out. I will go into the unknown. I'll go to that place where my tomorrow has yet to become my today. And of course, crossroads are also metaphors of our, our walk as Christians, as our lives as followers of Jesus. You know, to be a follower of Jesus, to be a disciple is not to remain in the past, but to step out into a future. The temptation for all of us is to stay where we are, than stepping out into that call of his, that unknown future of his. Perhaps, you know, our hopes have been dashed in the past, and we've stepped out. It's been costly. But we're now in a place where we say to ourselves, never again, never again. And God's people have always faced crossroads. Um, there are two amazing crossroads that appear um, in, in the Old Testament. There's the crossroad that appears in Exodus 14 when Moses has, has brought the people out, out of Egypt and they're now on the, on the seashore of the Red Sea. And the decision they have to face in Exodus 14 is do they go back to where the Pharise, um, Pharaoh's armies are coming or do they walk up the seashore to the left or up, down the seashore to the right or do they go straight across? And they go straight across. And then 40 years later, 40 years later, there's a generation about to cross the Jordan. One generation, remember, decided they wanted to go back to the past, to go back to Egypt, and so they perished in the wilderness. But this new generation are, going to, are facing the same crossroads. Do we go back? No. Do we walk up the river one way, down the river another way? We cross over. And then there are other things like... Nehemiah building the wall, or Zerubbabel building the temple in Zechariah 3. All of God's people at, God's, at times have had to face these crossroads. Now, if you've got a Bible, it'd be great if you could just turn with me to um, John 21. This is the longest resurrection account in Galilee, and it's the story of people, disciples at a crossroad. The crossroad is made up of three parts, darkness, dawn, and day. And the bottom left photograph is the earliest known selfie in the world. It's a Peter and his mates fishing at night. So that's why you can't see there's a fishing boat there with a little light at the bow. So that's why we're going darkness, dawn, and day. So look at chapter 21. Verse 3, Peter's plans. He says, I am going fishing. And his colleagues say, we will join you. We will go with you. They've gone back to the familiar. They've gone back to what they knew they did best. They've gone back to fish at night. 
They had experienced the, the pull of doing the old things, which they did well. But however much they were drawn back to the past, the very pull to the past was pointless and profitless. They caught no fish. They had nothing to show for their labors. You see, darkness is always a decision-making time. Do we go back to the past? Do we go back to the familiar? But between that decision of going back to the past in darkness, there is actually a dawn that always follows darkness. And John in this chapter clearly gives us this major contrast between Peter's plans in the darkness and the presence of Jesus in the dawn on the beach. Straight away, John is saying to us, there's a massive contrast here between the darkness on the one hand and dawn on the other hand, between the plans of man and between the presence of God, the presence of Jesus. And so in in verse 4, just as the day was breaking, just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. And he says this extraordinary question. Um, The NIV, I don't understand why it translates this, but it talks about friends. The, the, The Greek is children. He says, children, children, do you have any fish? A stranger, speaking to professional fishermen, children, do you have any fish? Can you imagine what it would be like to hear that? To hear those words said to me as a professional fisherman? I'm not a child. But then in verse 6, we see Jesus' amazing promises, and the result of his promises is that his power is demonstrated, and he provides for them, because he says to them, cast the net out on the right side of the boat, and you will find some fish. And they cast it. And now there they were, not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish, his power. And of course, it was his provision because now they had 153 fish to keep a community alive for another day. The disciples returned to that beach, frustrated and fed up after their wasted nights fishing. Yesterday's fish doesn't feed today's hunger. They had no fish to bring into their community. And so another decision time came, another point of their lives where they have to make a decision. The the stranger says, go on, go on, cast your net on the right side and you will find fish. Do they follow him? Do they believe him? Do they trust him? Simon Peter, bizarrely, decides to put more clothes on to get off the boat into the water. Most people take clothes off when they get in the water, but he put more clothes on and he jumped into the water because John had identified this man as being Jesus. So dawn is also that decision-making moment to encounter the risen Jesus, to encounter the risen Jesus. And then we move into day. And daytime, of course, we see these things where Jesus cooks them a breakfast, cooks them a food. 
They knew it was the Lord. He came and took the bread and gave it to them. And then right at the end of this passage, Jesus says to Peter, follow me. Follow me. You see, around that charcoal fire on the beach, Jesus restores Peter. His guilt and shame are taken away in that very moment, that very encounter on the beach. Transformed from that place where his errors, his mistakes, his his regrets, his remorse would have held him back. From that very place, he's transformed into becoming the church's first church planter. He is the man who plants the Jerusalem church. He is the apostle to the Jews. And the resurrection of Jesus shows, and this encounter with Jesus and Peter, that God will always transform us when we encounter the risen Jesus. Here's a man who's transformed from guilt and despair and regret. And all those things he's done, his denials in the past, he's transformed. His life is transformed. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ has power to change lives. And this power enables us to face our fears and to face our decision-making and to face our doubts and all the other things that happen in our lives because he has this power to do so. And at our individual crossroads, at our corporate crossroads, let us face our fears, let us be honest about them, honest about our questions and lay them before God. Jesus' presence with us, his power in us, his promise of being with us, John wrote in his um, first letter, in chapter 1, he wrote these words. He said, um, whoever says he abides in him, in Jesus, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. You know, Jesus was always walking. Walking on the sea, by the sea, uh, ahead of his disciples, in the temple, in the colonnade of Solomon. And he always meets us on our shore where we are washed up or washed out. He's able to take us from our darkness through a dawn to a glorious day. And looking at the Gospels, I can't help but just see how this change in those amazing people from between the crucifixion and the ascension, how much they were completely changed and transformed by their encounters with the risen, resurrected Jesus. I mean, consider Mary Magdalene. She was the apostle to the apostles. She met the risen Jesus in the garden and was desperate to hug him, hang on to him as it were, to hold on to the past. But Jesus said to her, go, I'm sending you, I'm sending you. You are an apostle to speak to the brothers in Galilee that I'm alive. In the darkness, it is the Lord. In the dawn, it is the Lord. In the day, It is the Lord. In our failures, it is the Lord. When our nets are full, it is the Lord. 
in our lives, it is the Lord. In our decisions, in our doubts, in our disagreements, in our disbelief, in our despair, it is the Lord. Easter, of course, is a celebration of an empty cross, Jesus. Easter, of course, is also a celebration of an empty tomb, Jesus. Could today, could today be a celebration of a new encounter with the risen Jesus to renew and transform your life? Resurrection reverses remorse. Resurrection reverses remorse. Any remorse that Peter had was cancelled, removed, deleted from the record the moment he encountered the risen Jesus. The moment he was transformed. What a Jesus we have. What a Jesus we have. And let's remind ourselves then of Peter's, Peter's call. You know, Luke chapter 5, he was called. And the thing about Jesus' calling of his disciples is he could have called those disciples with their empty nets, but he actually called them after they caught these food, this food in Luke 5. The calling to God, to Jesus, to follow Jesus will involve a cost. We have to give up perhaps what we think we know best or what we've got. We've got um, the count of Peter's fall in John chapter 18 around a charcoal fire where he's completely frightened out of his wits by a servant girl and then he becomes guilty of lying and swearing and cursing. He's brokenhearted. He's ashamed. And then, of course, this amazing restoration in this chapter. Peter's transformation tells me that encountering the, encountering the risen Jesus transforms our hearts. The process of transformation began with Peter, but it was a journey he went through. He had to leave behind what he thought he knew best. His attitude was changing from fear into friendship. He was being prepared This is important, that God did not pull Peter out of fishing into something for which his heart had not been prepared for. And encountering Jesus, the risen Jesus, always converts the deepest yearnings of our heart into a life-changing action that glorifies God and serves others. Secondly, encountering the risen Jesus redefines personal ambition. Follow me, Jesus said to Peter. Follow me. No longer living for self, but for God. And there's that wonderful little verse in Revelation chapter 14, verse 4, where uh, John writes to us and he says, They follow the Lamb wherever he goes. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing to have on our gravestones? He or she followed the Lamb wherever he goes. And thirdly, encountering the risen Jesus instills humility. Peter brokenhearted. Peter humbled. Peter recognizing that he's not worthy for all this stuff is restored. A threefold restoration at the second charcoal fire 
to undo the threefold denial at the first charcoal fire. Do we want our futures just to happen? Or do we want to make our futures happen? Or are we the sort of people when we're older, like just going to look back and say, I don't know what happened. Crossroads are always places to encounter the risen Jesus. The decisions to be made, the actions to be taken. We may forget what we hear. We may forget what we're taught. But we'll never, ever forget a life-changing encounter with the risen, resurrected Jesus. It is the Lord in our darkness, in our dawn, in our day. He's with us at the crossroads, the decisions we're having to take. He's with us in that process. Have you, have I, encountered that risen Jesus? As I was praying for this morning, I felt the Lord talk about two types of people here. One group of people where you've, you've stepped out in the past. You've, you were full of hope. You were passionate. You were up for it. But then your hopes and your expectations were dashed. And, and you've decided to go back to the past, to go back to what you know best. It's like you're in the experience of the disciples in the darkness in John 21. Today, I believe the Lord wants to meet with you specifically for you to encounter the risen Jesus afresh, where his resurrection reverses any remorse or fears or failures or anxieties, where that is reversed and that you may have a new life, a new experience of Jesus, a new calling, a new passion, like the disciples at the dawn moment in John 21. The other group of people I believe God was talking about this morning was those that actually... You're, you're anxious about the calling that God's called you to. You're still not sure of that calling. You're still not sure what it means when he says, follow me. Again, it's like that encounter with Jesus will transform you. He's spoken to you. He's already clearly started speaking to you, preparing your heart for what he has, that glorious future for you where the kingdom will be coming in as you break in, and this amazing thing he has, he will transform you. You are like the disciples in the daytime experience of John 21. Has God been calling, to you, calling you to something and you're anxious? You're fearful? You're full of doubts? Don't stay in the darkness of the familiar. Don't stay in the past. Move 
move through the dawn of an encounter with the risen Jesus and see and know his transformation in your life because he is an amazing God. Move from darkness through dawn to day. Move through darkness, dawn to day. So let's stand and let's invite the Spirit to come and minister to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just ask that you'll pour out your Holy Spirit. Father, in the name of Jesus, that you'll just send your Holy Spirit now upon your people. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, I pray now that you'll just come and rest upon us and speak to us, speak to our hearts. Father, in the name of Jesus, just pour out your Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. So if, if as you've been hearing me speak, You've just been thinking that, yeah, I've, I've known things and I've wanted to do things, but actually I was hurt or I was bruised or hopes were dashed. I believe the Lord wants to minister to you today, to encounter the risen Jesus today, to remove that remorse or those anxieties or those things. I want you to come forward. If that's you, it would be great if you just come over here, this side here. If, on the other hand, you've had this real sense that God's calling you, but you're still worried and anxious about what it means, that he's been laying things on your heart in terms of what does this actually look like, and he's saying to you, follow me, and he's saying that, yes, I will transform you, I will equip you, I will impassion you, I will empower you, then I'll leave you to come over this side here. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just pray now that you'll just be with us and bless us. Father, I pray that you'll encounter us today, that if we're on the experience of dawn, darkness to dawn, or even dawn today, you'll come and minister afresh to us today, that we'll encounter the risen Jesus, that we'll be transformed and changed. So let's just wait. Spirit of God, come and just pour out your grace and favor on people now in Jesus' name.